Please turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. As we think about the love of Jesus, we are thinking in Hebrews chapter 11 of all the saints who have gone before us. And the saints in the Old Testament had to look ahead to the coming Messiah. They didn't know his name would be Jesus. There were subtle hints that it would be, but they didn't call him by name. They knew that God was their Redeemer and that the coming Christ was coming on the day of the Lord and in the days of the Lord. We're going through Hebrews 11 in our sermon series, which the author calls a great cloud of witnesses. And they're all people who have died in the faith, whose faith is an inspiration and instruction to us. And then in chapter 12, as Pastor Aria read, we are to move from thinking of these saints to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So this morning in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read of the faith of Moses, the faith of Moses. Before I read, let me pray and ask the Lord to bless this time. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Thank you so much for the love of your son, Jesus. Thank you that his love and obedience to you led him to commit all the way, even to death on the cross. Thank you that he was with you for all of eternity past. And so he was not separated from you for a few days, but you raised him again to new life on the third day. And he ascended into heaven. And today he is at your right hand, Father, and he is interceding for us. And we know that Jesus is praying for us right now as we hear from your words. So Lord, have your Holy Spirit do great and mighty things in our hearts and minds. Guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Admonish us where we need it. Encourage us where we desperately need it. And make us more like Christ. Help us to fix our eyes on him as we study your word. Thank you for this time of nourishment that you have prepared all week for us, your children. You love us, your little children. In Christ's name we thank you and pray. Amen. Hebrews 11, I'll be reading verses 23 through 28. And this is reprinted on the back of the bulletin if you don't have access to a Bible. But as Arya said, if you don't have a Bible, go grab one out in the foyer, free of charge. And if you want to give one to a friend, grab a couple and give them away. We would love to have God's word in the hands of more of our neighbors. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 23. This is the good and glorious and nourishing word of our Lord. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. 
Uh, what can we learn of Moses's faith? Well, our text says, by faith, Moses. Some of you have heard of Moses. He's a very key human in human history. He was born in Exodus chapter 1, and he doesn't die until Deuteronomy 34. So we have 137 chapters of our Bible which span the life of Moses. Moses has a whole lot of news coverage in the Bible. I tried an experiment this week with Pastor Aria and uh, my oldest son, Kenan. I said to them, I'll give you like two minutes. What all do you remember about Moses and his life? Because so much happens in Moses' life. How can his faith inspire us? They made this list. They remembered his birth, the Red Sea, the Ten Commandments, manna from heaven, the tabernacle, the exodus, the plagues, the threat on the lives of Hebrew babies, the burning bush, the pillar of fire leading them at night and smoke in the day, striking the rock once in obedience, striking the rock a second time in disobedience, that he didn't get to go into the promised land because he struck the rock the second time. Uh, he murdered an Egyptian and he hesitated to do public speaking. All of that is in the life of Moses. It's a huge list. Moses is one of the most important human beings in world history. So how could we summarize his faith in half an hour? Well, the author of Hebrews wants us to learn some things about the faith of Moses. And today we're going to see what faith does in a hostile environment. That's what we're going to see. What faith does in a hostile environment. Be honest. Raise your hand if you find yourself occasionally or frequently in an environment where your faith has hostility. You're in a hostile environment of your faith, either frequently or occasionally. Lots of hands went up. Lots of hands went up. Okay, what does faith do in a hostile environment? I've got four verbs for us from our text and from Moses' faith. Faith does four things. It disobeys, it refuses, it leaves, and it escapes. Now, each of those are going to require nuance. It disobeys, refuses, leaves, and escapes. And we're going to go through them one at a time. First, the faith of Moses. Faith disobeys evil. That's point one. Faith disobeys evil. Look back in Hebrews 11 now and verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. All right, if you've ever had a baby, you have said, this baby is beautiful, right? The baby was beautiful. Isn't that what every parent says? I read an article from a columnist and she writes this. I remember lying in my hospital bed and actually feeling sorry for the other women on the maternity ward because clearly my child was so much more gorgeous than any other baby on the planet. Now later in life, she says reality hit her and she said, I have to acknowledge that he did pretty much look like every other newborn baby, like a wrinkly, skinny, slightly annoyed little alien. Okay, Moses was a beautiful baby. What does that mean? The word there is not about the attractiveness or beauty of the child. I think in the NIV translation, it's much more helpful. The word means extraordinary. The NIV says that Moses was no ordinary child. Uh, Moses' parents had him as a baby, and they 
knew he was special. They knew from God's power in their life and their faith in God that God had something very special for Moses. So his parents knew not that he would lead the people out of Egypt one day, but they knew he was exceptional. And so his parents hide Moses for three months, which is faith disobeying evil. Faith disobeys evil. Hiding Moses as a baby was an act of disobedience. You may remember back in Exodus chapter 1, the people of Israel are increasing in number in Egypt. A new king comes along who doesn't remember Joseph and how Joseph saved Egypt and the whole region from famine. And so this new king doesn't really care or know about Joseph and the Hebrew people, the Israelite people. And so the new king is threatened by the growth of this minority ethnic group in their region. And he says this in Exodus 1 verse 10. Come, let us deal shrewdly with God's people, with them, lest they multiply more. And if war breaks out, they'll join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. So the new king comes in and places many new burdens on the Israelites, but they keep growing. The whole country's afraid now. And so the king says, I have an idea. He calls the Hebrew midwives together, the women in the Israelite community who are helping the women give birth. He calls the midwives and says, hey, midwives, here is my kingly instruction to you. When you deliver a baby, if it's a girl, you can let it live. And if it's a boy, kill it. So all the baby boys are supposed to be killed. And the Hebrew midwives actually uh, lie to the king and say, well, the, the women are just, they're really good at giving birth quickly and something like that. And so they disobey the evil order to kill the baby boys. And God rewards their disobedience. And then Moses is born and his parents disobey evil too because faith disobeys evil orders. Faith disobeys evil commands. And hopefully as we obey God, there will be some moments like this where we absolutely know, I have just been ordered to sin. I have just been instructed to do evil. And in our conscience, we'll know that disobedience is what faith does in this point. Disobedience is what is required. And the God of Moses' parents is still the God of us today. And he will be with us when we, by faith, disobey evil. Maybe we'll know, I'm being asked to do evil. I must obey God instead of man. Look at verse 23 again. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And here's the line. They were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, had the king found out that Moses' parents hid him, the king would have come down really hard and maybe even executed the parents publicly so everyone would learn the lesson, don't disobey the king. But Moses' parents disobeyed evil and obeyed God. And so in a hostile environment, faith disobeys. We need to fear God more than our boss. We need to fear God more than our government. We need to fear God more than our family. And God rewards this disobedience. He rewarded the midwives and he rewards Moses' parents. So there's a question for our hearts as we see that faith disobeys evil where are you and I tempted to sin or to go with the flow of evil so that we don't face persecution? Where are we tempted to hide our faith or actively sin out of fear of other people? Faith disobeys evil and God is with his people when we disobey evil. In Egypt, 
children were being harmed by their government, Moses' family refused to join in. They refused to harm their child. Some of you are in a hostile environment to your faith, and some of you are in a situation you can't leave. You're just there. It's family, or it's an immediate context, and you've got no way out. Some of you are optionally in. You're, you're missionaries. You're serving people who are hostile to you, and you're loving them anyway. Whatever the situation that you're in, that hostility, God has you there today, this week, for your good and for his glory. So, this week, faithfulness to God might mean disobedience to man. Out of love for your neighbor. So by faith, disobey evil. That's point one. Faith disobeys evil. Second point, faith refuses. Faith refuses sin. Faith refuses sin. And we're going to see two things. Faith refuses sin's privileges and sin's pleasures. Faith refuses sin's privileges and pleasures. Look at verses 24 to 26. By faith, Moses... When he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So Moses' parents had acted in faith, but now Moses grows up and he gets the chance to act in faith. He gets to decide, is he going to live and love God or is he going to live and love the Pharaoh and the king of Egypt and all the privileges and pleasures of having grown up in Pharaoh's house? In Exodus 2, we learn that that Moses has grown up. He's lived in the luxury of the king's family and he has everything he needed. Look at verse 26. It says he has access to the treasures of Egypt. If you don't remember the story, Moses' mom puts him in a basket, right? Throws him into the Nile, and he is actually adopted into the family of Pharaoh. So he grows up with all the privileges and pleasures of being on the side of the Egyptians, even though the king of the Egyptians is brutally oppressing his fellow people. So eventually Moses has to take a side. Am I going to stand with God's people when they're being mistreated, Or am I going to stand with the people who are mistreating God's people so I can keep the privileges and pleasures, which the author says are the pleasures of sin? So that's what faith does. Faith refuses to identify with evil, even if it costs us privilege and pleasure. Now, it's not like his emotions were calm. This was a hard and long-developing decision for Moses. When you read it, you realize that he had grown up in the household of Pharaoh, in all the privileges and pleasures of that, and eventually one day he sees something evil happening. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. So the Hebrews are the Israelite people, Moses is one, and he sees one of his adopted people, the Egyptians, beating one of his own people, a Hebrew, and he acts out in anger. He kills that Egyptian who is beating the Hebrew. And then he thinks he gets away with it. It says he looks to the left and the right as if, you know, there's, uh, everyone had a cell phone camera back then. It would have been caught today. But anyway, someone figures it out that he killed the Egyptian. The story spreads. The king finds out and the king now wants Moses dead. So Moses leaves Egypt 
He leaves all the power and privilege and pleasures that he had access to, and he runs away, and he goes to Midian. But in his anger at that moment, having to decide God's people or my adopted people, he sins. He commits murder. He's effectively saying in that moment, though, I am no longer, I'm so angry. Maybe he's so frustrated or ashamed that he has been watching God's people get mistreated and keeping quiet and enjoying the pleasure and privilege. Maybe that's what led him to that act of anger and hatred and murder. But he decides in that series of events, I am now going to side with God's people. I am not going to take the privileges of the oppressive Egyptians anymore. He took a side. Faith refuses to identify with evil, even if it costs us privilege and pleasure. By faith, we refuse sin's pleasure, which is pretty easy to understand, right? You know, when you're tempted to give in to some sins, it's pleasure now, but sin or it's God's reward and treasure for being obedient to him when tempted. But the privileges of sin, if you're in a situation where you see people mistreated, and if you keep your mouth shut, you'll keep the privilege and pleasure, and you keep your mouth shut, that is loving sin's pleasure and privilege instead of speaking up on behalf of the oppressed. Look at verse 25 again. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now listen to how the author of Hebrews wants us to think about Moses' faith. What was Moses doing in that moment? Choosing to side with God's people instead of the Egyptians and all of that privilege and pleasure. Verse 26 tells us how we can think about it this week. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Do you consider identifying with Jesus Christ in his suffering, following him out into this world wherever you face hostility, and suffering for being identified with Christ, do you consider that a rich treasure compared to all the privileges and pleasures you could have if you rejected Christ? Do you treasure Christ more in your heart? Because when faith refuses sin, its privileges and pleasures, we're not saying no to privileges and pleasures. We're saying no to the world's privileges and pleasures. And we're saying yes to God's privileges and pleasures. God's reward. We say no to the world's reward and we get God's reward, which is so much greater, so much deeper, which can do so much more for our heart than the fleeting pleasures of sin. We are not people who say no to pleasure. We are people who say yes to God's design for pleasure. And so we can have reward. We can have treasure. We can have pleasure, but not in the small, sinful, worldly ways, in a much greater, deeper, more joyful way that gives you peace in your heart when you lay your head down at night. That's what we're saying no to and yes to. Faith refuses sin's privileges and pleasures. And so Moses, verse 26, was considering suffering with God's people like the Christ would one day suffer with God's people. That's what Moses points to. Moses suffers with the people of God, and Jesus does that all the more powerfully on the cross. Moses didn't know the name of Jesus one day, but he represented the people and suffered with them. 
But Moses didn't suffer in place of the people. Jesus more perfectly represents us. If Moses could do it, suffering with the people of God, how much more can we knowing what Christ has done for us? Because Jesus is mistreated for us, not just with us. And so when you go out this week into a place that is hostile to your faith, you don't just have Moses who suffered too. You have Jesus with you who suffered with you and for you on the cross. And he says, behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is going to walk with you through that suffering when your faith refuses sin. Uh, what Moses had was position and power in Pharaoh's house. He had the opportunity to speak up. He shouldn't have committed murder. That was the wrong way to do it. He should have gone with his position of power to the Pharaoh, to the king, and said, hey, how about you stop mistreating the people of me? How about you stop mistreating this minority group here? So here is what faith might say this week in some of your situations. I'm not going to stay silent anymore while this behavior continues. Maybe that's what faith will say, to refuse sin. Or maybe if you're in a position of voting power, I call for a vote to stop doing this practice since it clearly causes harm. Or maybe you'll say, if we can't stop treating one group of people this way, I need to step down from this role and relieve myself of the power and privilege and pleasure of being with an oppressive group that is harming children or harming others, whatever it might be. So faith refuses sin. Third, faith leaves. But what does it leave? I said it requires nuance. Faith leaves slavery. Faith leaves slavery. Uh, look at verse 27 now. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Uh, Moses leaves Egypt twice. You'll remember after he commits the murder, he leaves Egypt, flees to Midian. But then he comes back and he goes before the Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And eventually, Pharaoh lets the people go, sort of, although he's going to chase them. But Moses does let, lead the people out of slavery. And so by faith, he leaves Egypt. And that really is leaving slavery by God's power. God had given Moses and the people the power to leave the slavery they were in. And they had to trust him for the grace and mercy to leave their slavery. If you've been coming to Cornerstone for any amount of time, you know that we believe that everyone is a sinner. And Jesus says, everyone who believes in me will be saved. So we are all sinners and we are all former slaves. Or if you're currently enslaved to sin, you are a current slave. But Jesus has come to rescue us from our slavery. So faith leaves slavery. This is true in personal sins, and it was also physically true of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt. But Moses' situation points us to Jesus. Moses was a prophet who confronted great evil and led his people out of slavery to the promised land. And Jesus intends to do the same for us. As we move our eyes from Moses to Jesus, we remember that Jesus is the greater Moses who leads us out of a greater slavery. Faith leaves slavery. However, leaving slavery is terrifying. Isn't that interesting? Leaving slavery 
is terrifying. I mean, think about the people of Israel. They go through the Red Sea. They walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. And it's not a day or two later they're saying, hey, do you remember the menu back when we were slaves in Egypt? I mean, you remember that buffet? As if they had good food back there. They're already thinking, back there, I knew what my role was. I knew what my job was. I knew where to go for things. Being set free from slavery, even to our sins, is terrifying. Because, friends, when we come to Christ, he says, give us, give him our whole life. It's scary to come to Jesus, to trust him with everything. Our time, our money, our energy, our hopes, our prayers, our dreams, our fears. Trusting Jesus with everything is scary. It's safe and comfortable, at least it feels that way, in our old life of sin. Because in our old life of sin, all you have to do is trust your heart. All you have to do is trust your emotions. All you have to do is wake up and go, what do I want to do today? I'm going to do it. What do I want to eat today? I'm going to eat it. What do I want to look at today? I'm going to look at it. When do I want to nap today? I'm going to nap then. What do I want to do today? And to leave that and to give your allegiance to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, what do you want me to eat today? What do you want me to do today? When do you want me to nap today? What sins do you want me to run from today? It is scary. You're giving your allegiance over to another king. But Christ offers us freedom from the disastrous consequences of always being true to yourself. And you can see it in kids. Let me ask this. The world would say, the message I'm preaching today is absolute foolishness. Why would you tell people to deny their desires? Why would you tell people to do that? And the reason I would tell you to deny your desires is because I want to see people saved from slavery to sin. Delivered. How could we find out what would happen if you let someone have unlimited access to every desire of their heart? Well, we have the book of Ecclesiastes. It's something great to read. The author of Ecclesiastes got everything he wanted and more. He even had like a zoo. And it wasn't enough. But we actually know what would happen if you give someone unlimited resources and let their heart go. And it happened two weeks ago. story is out of Michigan of six-year-old Mason Stonehouse. What would happen if you gave a six-year-old unlimited resources? Well, his dad gave him his phone to let him play an educational game. But he's six, so he already is more advanced on a cell phone than his dad. So as his dad was putting Mason to bed, and this is, again, Michigan two weeks ago. As his dad was putting Mason to bed, headlights flooded the bedroom. And the doorbell rang. And he opened the front door to find a giant bag of takeout. And then the doorbell rang again. And then the doorbell rang again. And throughout the next hour. Eventually, his dad looked to find all these fraud alerts on his phone, but not everything was tagged as a fraud alert. And eventually, five orders of jumbo shrimp, 12 orders of chili cheese fries, $400 of pepperoni pizza, and 16 different orders of ice cream. In all, Mason had ordered $1,500 worth of food. Because some of the fraud alerts stopped some of the purchases. That's what, friend, that's what your heart will do if you always be true to your heart and you have unlimited access. And so the world that we live in tells us right now, always be true to your heart. And that is murderous advice. Murderous advice. 
That's telling people to stay in their slavery, to never be set free from their desires. And prisons are full of people who were true to their hearts, and so are graveyards. Faith leaves slavery, even if it's scary, to say, Lord, help me trust you today. Yesterday I did that because that's what my heart wanted, but your heart for me wants something better than that slavery to sin. Set me free. Faith leaves slavery. Moses and the Israelites left Egypt. God set them free. Look at verse 27 again. And how do they do it? What's the action step for our mind? Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So when we leave our old life of sin, we're not afraid of those old enemies anymore. And we can see the invisible. We can see God's promise. We can see God's blessing. We can see what honoring him with our lives will be as a reward for us. For Moses, leaving was terrifying. Pharaoh was going to come after him and the people with the largest standing army in human history up to that point. They would be on foot and the Egyptians would have chariots. But Moses wasn't worried about the Egyptian armies because God has angel armies. When we flee from sin, when we run from sin, it's sin, it's the flesh, it's Satan's temptations, it's the fear of death. But we run from that slavery. And we no longer, faith is no longer afraid of their power over us because Jesus can set us free. We love God, we fear God, and we're no longer afraid of the anger of our old boss, sin, Satan, and death. Look at the end of verse 27. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses saw God. He knew God would protect. He knew God would provide. Moses knew the promises we've been looking at all throughout Hebrews 11 so far. One day, his descendants would make it to the promised land. Moses knew God made that promise. And God keeps his promises. And we know from the promise of Jesus Christ, I am going ahead of you to prepare a place for you, and I will come back and get you, and I will get you all the way home Hold my hand and trust me on the way. And that's what faith does. Faith leaves slavery and gets to the promised land. Which is our fourth and final point. Faith escapes what? Faith escapes death. Faith escapes death. Faith disobeys evil, refuses sin, leaves slavery. And fourth and finally, faith escapes death. Hebrews 11 verse 28, our final verse. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. The Passover was the final plague on Egypt. Moses and Pharaoh are going back and forth. Let my people go. Okay, let my people go. No, let my people go. Okay, let my people go. No. And so God sends plague after plague after plague to show Egypt and the whole world God's power over every other false god. And the Passover is a test of faith for God's people. God told Moses and the people, trust me, I am going to get you out of slavery. On the night, kill an animal and put its blood on the doorposts and eat that meal and get ready. Have your sandals and your bag ready to run to freedom. Faith receives God's gift and does something that wouldn't make sense to the rest of the world. How are you going to get out of slavery? We're going to kill an animal, eat it, and spread its blood on the doorpost. Yeah, right. Is that going to work? And it worked. Because God said it 
They believed it, and they were set free from slavery, and that's what God offers all of us. It happened. The destroyer came. The Egyptians lost their firstborn sons, but none of the Israelites did. The destroyer came as the final plague on Egypt, just as God's promise, just as God promised. But all of the people of God who trusted God's plan for their freedom escaped death. All the people of God who trusted God's plan for their freedom escaped death. Now, it required faith. They had to kill the animal. They had to eat the feast. They had to be ready to run the next day. They had to spread the blood on the doorposts. And as we this week put our faith in the same God, faith requires us trusting some things that are invisible. That God gave us his word and everything in here is true. And we can live our lives and stake our lives and reputations on God's word. And we will be rewarded by him. And instead of slavery in Egypt, we get slavery from sin, Satan, and the fear of death. Instead of a lamb dying and being eaten in Moses' day, you have the lamb of God, Jesus, dying in our place on the cross. Instead of a lamb's blood on wooden doorposts, you have Christ's blood shed on the wooden cross for you. Instead of freedom from Pharaoh and firstborns dying, we have victory over sin, Satan, and death. And so faith, when we trust the Lord, we escape death. Death can't even kill you in Jesus Christ because he has given us eternal life. The Passover of Moses' day points to Christ. And as I close, let's remember that Hebrews 11 is our family heritage. The family of Abraham is our spiritual family. The family of Moses is our spiritual family. And going back a few weeks to Noah, the family of Noah is literally our ancestry. We are all related back to Noah. We too trust in the sacrifice of Jesus. And we too celebrate a meal of victory, which we'll be doing next week as we celebrate the Lord's Supper on the first Sunday of the month. The Lord's Supper is the meal that reminds us of the body and blood of Jesus Christ shed for us so that by faith we too can escape death and have eternal life. So what does faith do in a hostile environment? What does faith do in a hostile environment? False gods are always threatened by God's people. So every new false god is going to be threatened by God's people. Here's what faith does. Faith disobeys evil. Faith refuses the power, privilege, and pleasures of sin. Faith leaves slavery. Run into freedom, friends. And faith escapes death. Why? Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Faith escapes death because the tomb of Jesus Christ is empty. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. By faith, Moses, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. And you and I will be set free from everything that enslaves us this week for our good and for his glory. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, thank you for the situation that we are in today. Some of us, Lord, are in an environment that is very easy to have faith in. We're surrounded by loved ones who also love you. We're surrounded by neighbors or extended family or classmates or whoever else that loves you. And it's easy. So Lord, help us flee from sin and slavery to sin in those contexts. 
But Lord, for all the hearts who raised their hands or for the ones who even didn't, for whom hostility is what they face for their faith, give those men and women, boys and girls, the strength and courage and faith to trust you, to refuse the privilege and pleasures of sin, and to escape the slavery and bondage of wanting those power and privilege and pleasures. Set us all free, Lord, from the treasures of this world so that we may have your treasures and pleasures. Thank you, Lord, that when we say no to the pleasures of sin, you have something much more pleasurable for us. Fellowship with your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lead us by faith this week in whatever environment we're in and help us grow in our faith because it will be for our good and for your glory. Do great things in our hearts, Lord. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.